0: Welcome to Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network. It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock.
1: Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us, but if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember... I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for one hundred years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Let us make them remember. We are not a prince.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah! The beard, the beard, the beard, the beard, the beard, here on You're in Independence with me, Ernest Hancock, Ooh, and a special guest, David Stelzer. Now, what we're going to be doing, where we're talking about Azure standard. Standard of healthy and abundant living. Let me tell you the, the story and how we became acquainted. There was uh, years ago. God, it's been a while. You know, years ago, there was uh, a story that hit the internet that we really emphasized. We had an organic farmer that. It's more than that. A distributor. That's a big deal. We'll go ahead and get in the details. David will help us out. Now, the story was is that. Farmers around him that weren't organic were complaining to the county that, well, he had thistle weeds and he was doing it wrong and he needed to get some glyphosate on it. They to round it up, you know. Get get on there and uh, kill it and, you know, it's going to come on ours and we don't want you, whatever. I What? An organic farmer? He's like, nope. If we put glyphosate on it for years, they would not be able to be considered organic. So they, you know, they throw tarps over it. They cut it up. They... Or you know, plow it, pick it. Didn't worry about it. Whatever, it was uh, a thing. Well, the county was trying to force them to use glyphosate, and they go, "Nope, not doing it." Then they used the internet. They put it out, story, hit us, and all of a sudden it exploded. And we, Donna and I, went up there and visited with them. In Oregon, his farm spent a few days going around the farm, getting tours. Then we did, um, I think, like a three hour show from his office. And we got to look at all the equipment. We got a touchy, feely. I got that C, got how they're doing the farming, how organic it is, meet the employees, then their um, processing facility for their grains to be able to make flour. And that's unique how they do that. So this is. We've used this before, and what they do, we'll talk about how they do it. But that is the beginning of our relationship. That I saw someone that really wanted to be organic and be able to supply the area, region, the country, and we'll talk about how they're doing that. So we're putting up a. We're, did I asked them? I said, "Look, we're ready to start pushing. We got to get healthy, and uh, there's you know." The coming war in 24, man, this this is the year. So we need to have an offering to our audience for them to get good, convenient, order the entire thing, food delivered, refrigerated trucks and, uh, you know, uh, a carport, a soccer mom down the street, boom, done. And there's a bunch of products and we're going to go over that. Now, that is our relationship, how I know of them. And when you have someone that offers this quality product, goes up against the man and they pushed back, and it was a battle. In the end, I remember one of the comments from the one of the supervisors or something for the county. You cheated. You used the Internet. <laughs> so we were like, Ooh, man, you guys are amazing. So what we're going to go ahead and do is I want to uh, uh, introduce David. And let me just do a quickie, and then I'll have him do his own introduction. So this is... David Let me get that, that. And he's pretty. There he is. David Stelzer, founder and CEO of Azure Farm and Azure Standard. A-Z-U-R-E. As I remember, that means blue or something, right? That's it, right. So it's a blue stand, whatever that means. He can explain it to us. He is an organic food and healthy soil pioneer. His family have farmed in the Pacific Northwest for over 100 years. And he is a founder of and CEO of Azure Farm and Azure Standard, a leading producer and nationwide distributor of natural, organic, and non-GMO food. Okay, that's where I want to start this. Describe how it is that you grow, which you have hundreds and hundreds of egg, I mean, orchards. I mean, it's a big deal. So you have the actual Uh, food that you grow yourself, but there's other organic farmers that you distribute for and different products and so on. So when we offer Azure Standard for uh, grocery shopping, it's not just that. There's a lot of, you know, healthy hygiene products and supplements and all this other stuff. So this is something I don't endorse people lightly. This is something Donna and I have gone, visited, touchy-feely, talked to, you know, reputation of. So Go ahead, and we've used it. You know, in the past, before we hit the Love Bus Liberty Tour, we were starting to use it. Very convenient anywhere in the country. So I want you to go ahead and talk about the food that you produce, the standards that you have, the standards for including other organic producers, the other products that you offer, and how it is that you can order it and so on. And then a little bit later, I'll show them on the webpage how easy it is, okay? So go ahead and tell us your story David, welcome to the show.
3: Well, thank you, and thanks for having me. Hey, yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, Azure, um, you know, yes, we are first and foremost an organic farm, um, but that was kind of, you know, the way that we got started. This is not, um, we farm just a little over 4,000 acres, so it's not uh, not trivial part of what we do. Um, but, azure standard has grown much larger at this point um then you know we're not uh, we have a lot of relationships with other growers um and manufacturers all throughout the country and the world for that matter and uh so it kind of started out um you know we my father started farming organically back in actually 73 so way before it was cool Uh, He did that based on some health uh, issues that were in my family, uh, primarily myself and my grandfather. And by switching and changing diet, um, all those health issues went away. We became healthy. Um, And so after switching to organic farming, kind of never looked back. Um, So one of the things that, you know, at first it was very difficult to find the markets um, for the organic products. So, you know, who wants that? And so I began to deliver mostly originally to like small health food stores and stuff around around the Pacific Northwest here. And then over the years, uh, it became obvious that there was a particularly – it started in eastern Washington, actually. There was kind of a food desert. It was hard for individuals to be able to get the food that they needed. So what ended up happening is that they kept asking me, hey, you're you're going into Portland or wherever. Can you pick me up this or that? That was in addition to the things that I was already selling, which at that time was mostly just organic grains and flowers. And so I would say yes. And then pretty soon, um, it, uh, you know, more and more people would want that. And finally, I said, well, I guess I really kind of need to make a a difference here. So I created a little catalog that was about almost 34, 33, 34 years ago now. So I created a little paper catalog showing the things that people kept asking for a lot and started distributing that around the, uh, you know, around the Northwest here originally. And, uh, didn't take very long until, um, quite a few people jumped on the bandwagon. We ended up, you know, I was first delivering in a little Chevy Love pickup, went to a a van and by the mid-90s we were in semi-trucks. And, at least, here in the Northwest. And it took, you know, and it, It was a niche that, um, obviously, folks finding food that they could really trust would be really organic. Uh, You know, an organic, really, uh, if you get right down to it, organic doesn't say what's in your food. It says what's not in your food. And in my book, it's more almost as important – to know what's in your food and what's not in your food, you know, nutrient dense food is extremely important. Having the nutrients that God intended to be in your food actually there, because it's not being pushed by chemicals to the point where it you get more mass without the the minerals and the supplement, you know, the the nutrients, the vitamins, minerals, amino acids, lipids, and so on that. Are supposed to be, you know, in our food that we need for healthy bodies. And so I be, I really have tried to find sources for our, um, for Azure standard, besides our farm. Of course, we grow all that we can, but, um, find sources from farms throughout the world that actually are long-term organic and they're, they're, um, using organic in such a way that they're building their soil they're building the nutrient content they're using microbial healthy soil to to grow the crop and not just pushing it with some organic approved uh, substance so
2: you know that that's one thing I wanted to uh, talk about a little bit the um, when they say organic to me I'm like you know organic is Natural, you didn't mess with it. I call, I have to call it virgin food. I go, I need virgin food, and Uncle Sam and the lobbyists and everything. Well, we're just gonna, we're just gonna stick the tip in, you know. It's kind of, you know. And I'm going, no, no, I don't want you screwing with it. You know, I want virgin food. I don't need, you know, the organic keeps changing. Talk about that a little bit, since you've been doing this for so long. What's your experience with how they altered the definition? And what does that definition mean now? You can't find anything that doesn't say it's organic, you know? Does that mean it's organic? Is, it, is there standard organic? Explain the difference, would you please?
3: There are organic standards. So for a company to put the USDA organic seal on a product, which we use, It means that they did have to prove, at least on paper, that they did not use any prohibited chemicals um, during the, you know, usually within three years of that crop being grown. So if you can show on paper, and again, I mean. Well, I want to know what's
2: prohibited. So, there's a list. These are allowed and these are not. I mean, that's a whole other thing.
3: Okay. I can give you that list if you want, but it's a lot, it's kind of a long list. But uh, probably, though, as far as the big thing that is prohibited in organic uh, on the fertilizer side is anhydrous ammonia. Not allowed in any organic. Now, anhydrous, of course, is the artificial version of nitrogen makes the plant think that that it has nutrients that it doesn't actually have. Nitrogen is the growth regulator. It makes plants grow big and have a lot of mass. And so you're eating a lot of mass, a lot of carbs and sugars without the nutrients, without the, the, the good healthy fats, without the complete amino acid chains, And with very simple sugars instead of the complex sugars. Um, those are, that's what happens when you use anhydrous because it fakes the plant into thinking it has more nutrients than it does, so it grows bigger. Okay, so that's, that's a big deal on the fertilizer side. Now, there's quite a few other fertilizers that are, that are prohibited, uh, in organics. Um, pretty much anything that, is produced from petroleum products or in a lab in addition to anhydrous ammonia is prohibited on the fertilizer side now even more important on the um on the pesticide and herbicide side pretty much all pesticides and herbicides are prohibited you're not allowed to use any herbicide or pesticide That's from any chemistry base. So if you want to use a pesticide, for instance, you can use a pesticide that is, for instance, a microbe. So you can introduce a microbe into an insect that might make that insect sick that doesn't uh, affect mammals or larger animals in any way. Uh, So that is one Acceptable uh, pesticide that could be used. Um, you know, and there are, you know, there's other um, other things that go along with that. Uh, you have to, under the organic rules, you have to prove that you did not use genetically modified seed in any way. Now, they do randomly test, but not every lot is, has to be tested for genetically modified. But you do have to prove that the seed wasn't genetically modified. The, um, the other things, uh, some of the other things on organic, uh, for instance, dairy cattle, it's actually, or any cattle for that matter, are ruminants. It's, uh, you have to be able to prove that they had a certain percentage of their food came from pasture. Now that's that number is not really high. It's forty percent for um, uh, for two hundred days. So you have to be able to prove that the animal was on pasture for at least forty percent of its feed for that amount of time, which would pretty much allow you know any. Any place, even over with a, a period super of what time? Over the course For of a year, months, a year, in the course, in the okay. course of a year, yes. So and
2: the because I can see certainly, you know, in the Pacific Northwest that there's going to be some hay, you know, instead of pasture because it's snow.
3: <laughs> so, yeah, you know. so they give you like 165 days to feed hay, 100 percent hay, even if you need to, and then at that point then you can still feed up to 60% of other stuff you know of hay or whatever and that's more for the dairy industry you know the beef cattle you're not probably going to feed that much but um you have to prove that every year it's actually a fairly complex formula to prove that we have to go through that formula every year it's kind of a okay you know, let's go
2: back to what put you on the map at least our map i mean it yeah. was a thing Is when um, they tried to force you to uh, round up your crop. This is what I learned from you. I had no idea. This is how it's, you know, affected my family. Let me tell you this story. We went up there and you go, nah, if we use glyphosate, we can't uh, be organic for like three years, you're saying, right? So, you know, know. we don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And I'm going, okay, well, how does this work? Well, what happens is everybody's going your Cheerios, the oats and everything. It's got a whole bunch of glyphosate and I'm like, "Why?" The reason is when it becomes harvest time, you take the combines, and you start going out and getting your harvest, they spray it with Roundup right before that. I mean, days, you know, just I mean, right before it so that it all dries out and you get more what? Yield. Well, you know, you more
3: per acre. Well, it's not necessarily more yield per acre. It's easier work. Now, here um right here in Eastern Oregon, we don't actually desiccate. Even the conventional guys do not do that typically. That would be a rare occasion that that would actually happen. But in like the Dakotas up in Canada, places where it's a shorter season and they're doing a lot of spring crops, that is common practice. And what it does, it makes the crop dry down uniformly. So basically, it kills the crop, even though there's some green still in it, because in these colder, wetter places, the crop doesn't dry down uniformly. So in the olden days, before glyphosate, they would go out and uh, swathe the – cut it like with – and put it in windrows like it was hay and let it dry – and then they would combine it with a pickup header. So they, it would pick it up off out of that row and combine it. But if you put glyphosate on it, it all dries down uniformly. They can go in with what they call a straight header, just a header on a combine and cut it and thrash it in one pass. So that's Well, the reason the I would
2: say a more yield is because if it's dry and you could get it all, I would think you'd get more, you know the prob- anyway the point was is that they do this so that they make it easier for them to combine it to collect it and save money, whatever mm-hmm. but the point was is that they do this how many days before they actually combine it
3: Not a lot a lot of times within the week that's
2: so the- this is now this is how it affected us my one of my grandsons he was having a lot of skin problems, okay he's probably like six or seven now. When he, you know, just this last year in uh, 23, they were he was having skin problems, eczema, he'd it, whatever it is, and he'd go to bed, he's crying, they lotions and stuff, and it becoming a thing. So, and I knew that there was probably something he was eating, you know. And I go, what do you have every morning? What's your, what's your diet? And I go over and we'd hang it, honey nut Cheerios every freaking morning as much as he could eat. Okay, and I go. I just want to tell you, they went to Natural Path doctor that we know, and they wanted to go and evaluate and check and see, and they didn't even you know do any tests. Or they said, "Well, the first thing we're going to do is change your diet, and then we'll worry about you know getting stupid here." And uh, and I told him before he went to the doctor, I go, Jude, I'm telling you, man, you know, I think you to have to be giving up your Honey Nut Cheerios. I'm just saying, you know, stop that. Boom, immediately got better immediately he can sleep immediately. He didn't have these problems. It was on his freaking Cheerios and I'm going, and I remembered what you had said. And the reason that I told him this was going to happen was because of what we found out when we were reporting on what was going on with you. And I'm going, these SOBs are poisoning us. And it's like, I don't know if not intentionally at the very least, they don't care, you know? So you care who else cares? You know, this is – what's your competition? And, the fact, this is – let me go ahead and show the audience this. I want them to see this. We'll look here. Okay, here's the site. Now, there is a uh, – you can find it here. It's got where you can go check. Um, find your community drop location. Boom. You click on here, and I'll put where we used to live here in the Valley, uh, so you Just put in your um, – Zip code, but look at this. What are the name I of the town? They're they're everywhere. You know, I mean, it's all over the place. So I go, all right, we'll put that in. Boom. That's right, live. I can go right there. There they are. Someone, it's a drop off, and it's all it is is just you know people that agree. Yeah, come drop the shipment off. And neighbors. How is the ordering? How often? Uh-oh.
4: This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash, digital cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In addition to being one of the world's first cryptocurrencies, Dash was the first crypto project to have a decentralized autonomous organization that to this day continues to improve and promote Dash. Every month, 10% of the mining rewards go into a treasury. Anyone with one Dash to spend can put forward a proposal to the Dash masternodes. The masternodes vet the proposals and decide which ones move forward and are funded by that treasury. Nowadays, DAOs are plentiful, but Dash paved the way by doing it first nearly a decade ago. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash, dash Dash.org.
0: Freedom's the answer. What's the question? You're listening to Ernest Hancock.
4: Welcome
2: back to Declare Your Independence with me, Ernest Hancock, on the Free Talk Live Network on Genesis. We're continuing our conversation with David Stelzer, founder and CEO of Azure Farm and Azure Standard, which is a standard of organic food that is available and shipped in refrigerated trucks all over the country. And you just put in your zip code, you go to Azure Standard azurestandard.com and you just put in your town name or your zip code and boom where you can have pallets of organic food raw material flour healthcare products high personal hygiene supplements that are organic And I know this, my wife and I years ago went and spent a few days with them, did a three hour show from there, it was awesome. And now we're going to be an affiliate for them when we revamped the show and we wanted to redo our website and focus on how we could best serve our listeners and our readers. Well, it's definitely going to be a food thing and we sought them out. And this show, will tell you why. Enjoy. Someone it's a drop off, and it's all it is is just you know people that agree. Yeah, come drop the shipment off. And neighbors, how is the ordering? How often do you ship, and what area? How do you know how to um, to get your order, and how long you got to wait, and how often in different places? Go ahead and give the logistics on how you're delivering this.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So those folks that uh, that come up on there are all volunteers. There, we call them our drop coordinators. They volunteer to do that to be able to get healthy food into their local community or to your local community. And there are. There's uh, thousands of them cr- across the country. And um, most, especially uh, on here in the Northwest and right on the West Coast, we do have a lot of places we deliver more frequently. But most of the country, it's on a four-week cycle. So every four weeks, so it, you know, it always, you know, comes on a Tuesday or whatever instead of, you know, once a month. But it's every four weeks, you place the order the week before and it'll tell you on there when to place your order by. And then it'll tell you get delivery the week of. It doesn't give you the exact date until we actually put the, uh, until we actually put the trucks together. Then you'll get an email telling you the exact date and time that you're going to get your delivery at that, you know, at that spot. Um, the trucks are, you know, they go all over the country. They're in a, um, we have delivery trucks and then we have what we call shuttle trucks that take the product to the delivery trucks. The delivery trucks stay in route So they, like, don't necessarily ever, most of them don't ever come back to the warehouse. We take the product to the delivery trucks because the delivery trucks are set up special to be able to, you know, deliver into local communities, especially with cold and frozen and everything like that. Um, So you simply find a drop point on the map that he just showed a minute ago. Um, Then when you go to check out, you know, place an order on the website. It's pretty simple, general e-commerce. I mean, pretty much like any e-commerce to place an order, you type in your stuff. When you go to checkout, uh, you know, put in your name and address and payment and all that stuff, and choose a drop. We'll say, how do you want it delivered? Find a drop or a drop point, or we also have a parcel carrier option. So if you want to try us out, try out something. Uh, you can do that just by parcel carrier. Although I don't necessarily recommend that long term because we don't, you know, we can't do as good a quality, cold, frozen, everything that we can with the trucks. So that's one of, that's kind of our secret, um, sauce is our delivery, um, uh, um, trucks.
2: Yeah. I want to show the, the trucks here. Uh, one thing I was surprised when I was looking over, you know, the graphics here. And um, okay, let's get through me. Blah 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 blah. Because the um, warehouse that I was looking at, I remember the warehouse, and it looks like freaking heck a lot bigger now. You know, I was I was going, damn. You know, this is like a thing. Man, how many pictures I got? Okay, so here's you out in your what do you call them groves? I mean, That's you just have an orchard. Describe yeah. well. D- describe the orchard and how many different kind of trees and how many plants you got.
3: Well, we have, uh, uh, pretty much all the different fruits. Apples, that's an apple. That's my son Zach with me. And we're out in a, um, in the apples, but we do a lot of cherries, uh, a lot of different varieties. We we're able to produce cherries from about the middle of June to the middle of August based on variety and elevation because all of our farm isn't at the same elevation. The orchard here, the mill is in the background there on that Yeah, I wanted picture. to talk
2: about that. That is how long – the processing facility back here had a lot of stuff, a lot of automation. It was all about quickly processing the organic food. How do you pick it? Do you have seasonal people or you got a bunch of cousins or what?
3: <laughs> all of the above. Azure has a, plenty of uh, employees. I do have a bunch of nephews too, but hey – um the the mill in the background that's for grain. The orchard in the foreground is fruit. The processing mm-hmm. plant, we do have our own fruit packing plant as well, but it's not in that building. It's in a different building. In fact, we just rebuilt all that. That was a building that uh we lost in a fire. About yeah, was that a suspicious
2: fire? I remember that. I'm going all these food plants; everything's burning all the time. And I'm going, so was that a suspicious fire? Or or you knew what it was? Is that whatever excuse to rebuild something?
3: No, we have absolutely no idea, and no, it's no excuse. We end up losing losing a lot of processing equipment and uh, product in that fire. It was not Mm -hmm. a it was not a pretty picture, but. We were able to rebuild. It is rebuilt now. We do have the uh, fruit packing equipment in the new building along with the cannery and some other some other things. Um, we've okay, made-
2: let's go ahead and go through some more of these pictures. There's some uh, things I wanted to point out. Okay, we got some logo. Feed your family for less and some marketing. There's a community drop thing that we just went through. There we go. All right. Now, these are all the trucks, are they refrigerated or some of They're them are? they all refrigerated how-
3: and most are dual temp. That actually, we only use the, that's one of the small trucks. We only use small trucks in, basically in Portland and Los Angeles. Everywhere else in the country, you would get a big truck. So we use, uh, we have a couple of these trucks in the LA area. Um, And we have a couple of these that we use uh, here in the Portland, greater Portland area. And those we use those mostly because of delivery, because we have a lot of store accounts in those um, vicinities. Most of our trucks are over-the-road semis. They're, you know, 48-foot trailers behind uh, So
2: you're bringing them in and then transferring it to smaller trucks inside the cities or something like that?
3: Yeah, well, the Portland one we actually run because we're fairly close. We run that straight out of the warehouse. L.A., we run, you know, semi-trucks down, put it in a short-term warehouse that keeps it for a day or two. And then the those trucks come and reload out of that warehouse and deliver.
2: Okay, now let's talk about this. The warehouse, I don't know if this was the old one or not, but this is, you know, as I'm seeing more, I'm going, ooh, you you got bigger. All right. How much in the last few years, what have you added on? How big are you? Did you make more,
3: build more capacity or moved or what? No, we uh, we built on to the warehouse. So it's roughly doubled in size, uh, went from about 65,000 square feet to about 135,000 square feet. Damn. Uh, in, in this building, that's the old section where that picture is. That's the old section. That's our, we call that our palletizing area. Uh, that's where the, you know, bulk products, the bags and stuff like you see in the foreground get married together with the boxes and stuff that you see on the conveyors there for the, what we call repack. So that'll get those get palletized together and then they're able to go directly on to a truck.
2: Okay, now let's talk about the speed on this. There's two things I want to make sure I'll just leave this picture up. There's two things that I want to make sure that we talk about. Well, maybe think of you again as we're getting ready for war in 24. Donna makes uh, our bread. You know, she's like, you know, got bread makers. My daughters do. My daughters-in-law, they, you know, they, they're all about the bread thing. Well, you start looking and you flour and it's got, you know, you know, cricket pieces or something. I mean, you know, it's like you'll eat the bugs and it's in the freaking flour. And I'm like, you sons of man, they don't even hide it. I mean, well, they, they don't. You know, have a cricket picture on it. But, I mean, you know, they got, you know, the, you look on the ingredients and you can see that this is how they're putting it into at the base level of cooking. And I'm going, no, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. We need to get some organic. I, I want to make sure we're going to be doing bread. We're going to start. I, I want to get some fundamental. I know it doesn't have the the bugs in it. And let's get some real flour. Let's contact. Let's start up again with azure. You know, even because we just got back in the valley from our trip and, you know, find a new place to go. It's down the street. There's always one down the street. So I'm going, okay. We order the flour. And I remember that you had the grains that you get and that processing mill that you have back there. There was a special kind of a uh, centrifugal you know, centrifuge that it dropped in the grains and warped speed. It blasted against it. turns into flour and whatever. And it really wasn't that big amount that this thing produced. And it was created by a university professor in Washington State or something, you know, back in the patent of the day, and you guys have a room that that goes in, so in case it blows up, you know, nobody dies. But, you know, you have there, and you're just mass-producing your own flour from your organic grain. I sat there and watched it happen, and you're putting it in a bag that now is on that pallet there. I get it, and I don't feel like I'm eating bugs. So I'm just going, yep, I vote that. (laughs) Then you have all the other stuff, and I'm wondering— how when you put all this stuff together and it goes onto the truck, you also have the opportunity for fresh produce. So I'm I'm not just ordering bulk, you know, patriot. Uh, I don't want to die prepping whatever the heck. This is your grocery shopping, okay? So. You get fresh produce, which normally isn't available. How do you do that? How fast from the time that you palletize and do the truck, it's going all the way from Oregon and makes it down to Phoenix or goes to New Jersey or whatever. What's the speed on that? How's that happening?
3: So, we normally pick the orders uh, immediately before it leaves, as much as, as close as we possibly can. So, even if, um, so many of our routes, Uh, Over the past couple of years, you know, when we first set them up back in 19, that was one truck per route, but those have grown substantially since then, and so now we have multiple trucks. So even if one driver's delivering, we have to time everything just right so it gets to the driver at the right time. So if we're going to New Jersey on, say, you know, the Finch route or whatever. Maybe there's two trucks or three. Uh, you know, our biggest route last week, we just shipped 11 trucks for one route. So um, that has to be staged in stages. And of course, with the 11, we ended up having to use uh, three drivers, I believe. Um, maybe it was, yeah, it might've been four. <laughs> but anyway, um, <clears throat> they... Uh, we have to get those to them right when, because there's no, right when they're ready to start delivering. So it's all a timing. It's all about timing. So even though the order might cut off, say on Wednesday, we need all the orders, but we'll ship truck one on Wednesday. I mean, if it cuts off on Wednesday for Phoenix, which probably is the case, maybe Wednesday or Thursday, then we would pick it probably Wednesday night. Uh, that truck would be leaving on probably Friday and would be delivering on Monday morning. If, um, you know, if we're going to New Jersey, that would probably even Phoenix. We wouldn't even take that long. Phoenix is only like a two day run. So we'd probably pick Phoenix on Friday, uh, ship it out Friday night and it would deliver Monday morning. The, um, when we're going to and New Jersey. Yeah, they're refrigerated and frozen. Then and they're in their own compartments, right? Um if it's going to New Jersey, we might pick it on a Wednesday. It would leave on Wednesday, might leave on Thursday and to be delivered on Monday morning. So it would take maybe two extra days to do that. Going Well, that to allows the East Coast. for
2: someone to to actually
3: order bell peppers Uh, onions oh you know whatever yeah no we in fact we actually sell a lot more especially the fruit uh back in the midwest and the east coast than we do here on the west coast it's amazing how much uh you know things like we're talking like apples and pears and cherries and stuff like that we sell an unbelievable amount uh going further east
2: um, well, you know, a little less uh, chemicals, not so much crickets in it. I mean, I, you know, this is why we're talking. I'm just, this is, all right, what are you seeing is the future of your uh, business? I mean, is it starting to hockey stick? Is it getting all exponential and people are finding you and reputation of and here we go? Or is it, you know, the bad guys being bad and they're like... how are you marketing? Is it word of mouth? I mean, how does anybody even know you guys exist that you've expanded this much in just the last few years
3: since I've known you? (laughs) Well, I mean, word of mouth is definitely the best. Uh, You know, there's some people uh, online that tout us uh, quite a bit, especially in the homesteading space. Homesteading has been growing exponentially lately as well, especially since 2020 when, People's lifestyle got threatened. There's been a f- basically an abandonment of the cities by a lot of the families and they're heading into a little bit more rural or semi rural areas, uh, wanting to grow a garden, uh, have a few chickens, maybe, uh, have this little miniature homestead, even though, you know, they can't make a living from it per se, but at least they can grow their own food for their garden from their garden. Uh, so those folks now, if they're growing food in their garden, they're cooking at home. So they're probably going to have trouble growing the wheat in their garden. So here comes Azure. We can supply the organic flour. That's just ground up wheat, guys. There's no crickets in it. (laughs) Well, you know, even more common, there's no, you know, synthetic B vitamins or niacin or this or that, like most flour has in it. It's just a pure grain, just as God made it ground up. And not only that, it's made from grain that didn't have any glyphosate on it or anhydrous ammonia or any of this other nasty stuff and was grown in nutrient rich soil. So you're going to get proper, your proper amino acid chains. You're not going to just, you know, trash your, trash your digestive system. And that's exactly yeah, so that's the truck we're more delivering in there. That would be mm-hmm. a little bit more uh you have that up now. But that's Okay, I
2: mean we're talking rice, butter, flour, uh what do we got here? Frozen meats. Tell us about okay, let me give you an example. Um supporters of ours have a dairy herd in northeastern Washington State. They um, uh, opened a butch when COVID and lockdowns and all that happened, the small town that they're in just closed down. The general store, the butcher, I mean, it's just not. So they go, we need to keep a viable community. And they're wealthy. They got money. So they go, we're going to buy the general store. They bought it, totally reverbed it. They got a slaughter truck that goes out. They have the butchery. They have, they have, they have. So they're opening up the... General store, and they got a bunch of organic gardening that they do and big greenhouses and all that kind of stuff for their community. But they produce more milk and dairy products and cheeses and that kind of stuff they can probably use. And I just was wondering if they go, you know, we got organic come down and see what's up and how is it that you would select them or are they eligible and under what conditions to be a supplier of meats for you because that makes me feel better because for years I know I see the field that they're in you know I know like I I visit you I'm like yep when we eat there we oh, and they got bison too they have buffalo so I'm just like heck yeah you know so Talk, talk to me about how that process is done, how you're sourcing from these other small community farms.
3: Well, that's pretty much exactly the way we do it. Now, you know, with them, you know, we would have to, we are unfortunately extremely scrutinized by the federal government. They are all over our <laughs> ass all the time. So I do have to be careful with some of that um, as far as making sure that. You know, if it's a local butcher that it actually has an FDA stamp on it. Uh, So, unfortunately, you know, hey, I don't give a crap personally about an FDA stamp. It doesn't mean your food's healthier. But for me to ship it across state lines, they're all over me. So, just, you know, we we have to cross that uh, T there. Yeah. but if they're able to get it at an FDA-inspected butcher that's legal to ship across state lines, um, they contact us and say, "Hey, we've got this great beef or buffalo. In the case of uh, the bison, there you were talking about. Um, you know, here's kind of the quantity we have. This is the price range. This is the cuts we want to do, or we want to do boxes or whatever. We have different ones. I mean, you know, on our site we have like in the beef category, you know, Cunningham beef. It's just a family farm out in Eastern Oregon. They get it butchered at a USDA plant and they sell like boxes of beef. So you'll get, you know, um, a ground beef box or whatever, you know, or a cut box or, or whatever. Some of the others, they actually do individual cuts. So you can get a, you know, a, New York steak or whatever, you know, whatever you want on um, on that particular one.
2: Okay, I wanted to show some meats here and how they come. So, the, so let's take a look yeah, at this. Yeah, so those
3: ones right at the very beginning, those are some of ours. We raise those on our own farm here. Um, that's the Piedmontese. We happen to have Piedmontese uh, meat on our on our farm. Then you'll have some down Below there, that's an organic valley one, hard grass. You see the hard grass one there. That's a farmer out in the Joseph area, and he raises he raises Highlanders. So those are not only um, pretty much organically produced, but he is not certified. He has not gone through the stuff. So you'll see it doesn't say organic on that. But if you click in, it'll tell about the farm and stuff like that. And uh, so every you know all the different ones, you know have their own stories. Some of them are a little bit more mainline, like Organic Valley. There, a uh, Big Bluff Ranch. That's another you know, the chicken over there. He's a he's a grower that uh, does organic uh, chicken, and he just ha- does whole chicken, and it sells very well. We sell a lot of his chicken. Um, well,
2: when we look at all these opportunities over here for, we got, you know, food, health and beauty, household and family, supplements. How do you select your supplement? God, I mean, you got so many. Holy crap. All right. So natural remedies. What's that? All right. So it's a brand. So well, when these guys come to you, I remember, okay, let's talk about this. Well, Donna. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
3: Well, on supplements, there's a couple of different things. Uh, you know, I, I'll speak to the supplements just for a moment. You know, long term, I have been kind of a supplement critic. We've carried some supplements by customer request, but um, you know, a lot of supplements have excipients. Even a lot of the ones we've carried, I haven't been super proud of those, um, and. You know, I've been a bit of a critic. Hey, if you eat healthy food from healthy soil, we shouldn't need a lot of supplementation. Just recently, you know, I had one of our longtime employees ended up going through cancer. Very severe case. And when she came out the other side, you know, of and she went through a kind of a hybrid medical uh, approach that actually, you know, because she was so far gone. Um, she start realized that on the other side, when her body was so down, supplements is what made her. She believes, and I believe her, not have a reoccurrence. And it was extremely important. So she's actually working now as uh, with this Azure Well, and ha- we have put together a line that we've put our own name on, the Azure Well brand, which you had one of those up a minute ago, that are ones that we have actually vetted.
4: The Shire Free Church offers a sanctuary to those seeking an escape from state churches. The Shire Free Church is an interfaith, diverse group of people that may not share identical theological beliefs.
3: As a member in or minister of the Shire Free Church, You are a sovereign individual and may be the faith of your choice.
4: We don't claim to have all of the answers. We are open to all peaceful people.
3: We want to learn from each other.
4: What unifies the Shire Free Church and its diverse members is peace, love,
3: and liberty. There are many paths to God, one for every individual.
4: The Shire Free Church does not define a specific path beyond these parameters that must be your foundation. Peace as your way. Love as your guide. And liberty as your light. Learn more at church.shiresociety.com That's
3: church.shiresociety.com
4: Welcome to Declare Your Independence on the Free
1: Talk
0: Live Network. It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock.
1: Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us, but if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember. I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most, We are still here! Fear, no fear
2: here on Declare Your Independence of me, Ernest Hancock, on the Free Talk Live Network on Genesis. We're continuing our conversation with David Stelzer, founder and CEO of Azure Farm and Azure Standard, where you and your neighbors, are refrigerated trucks delivered all over the country. You go put in your zip code, you go to Azure. A Z U R E, which is Spanish for blue, I think. It's a certain shade of blue that had, uh, uh, he'd explained it in the show of how he came up with that. But it is a standard that they have set to make sure that all of the distribution of products they either grow and know are organic on their 4,000 acre farm in Oregon, or they have other partners that make sure it is organic, uh, raw materials are not crickets. I mean, just say it. And you can have it delivered to your neighborhood, in your garage, your carport, or the neighbors, everywhere around the country, everywhere. You go there, and you put in your zip code or town, and you'll find your neighbors are already doing it. And you order the raw materials, the flour that they make on their processing facility there. Donna and I, my wife, have visited there. We spent days there. We've done hours of show with them. And now we're comfortable in recommending it. To you, please pay attention to what they have to say it's for your life
3: we have put together a line that we've put our own name on, the Azure Well brand, which you had one of those up a minute ago, that mm-hmm. are ones that we have actually vetted now uh, and Susan's the one who's the one who went through cancer and got it you know and is in good health now uh, and went through that because of supplements, she uh, and she has vetted those. There are no excipients in these. There's no fillers. There's no crap. What's
2: excipient? I don't even know what
3: that means. That's like magnesium steroid to make. So if you read the fine, ing- fine print on your supplements, a lot of them will have something like that in it that will say, oh, magnesium steroid. Well, it, all that is is it's a chem- uh, chemical compound that's supposed to be benign, it's not completely benign that makes the powder go into the uh, capsule more easily you know okay yeah, yeah you know yeah whatever right. they can speed it up uh, you know
2: okay let me, let's go ahead let's go ahead and look at this um, cleaning supplies this is another thing too because we've been in um, we took a MCI bus and we converted it into a it was R V and has a lot of storage and we put the studio in. We've been traveling the country during lockdown. We're just now back in Arizona purchasing land, building our home, that kind of thing. But we live on a bus. I mean it's a nice okay. you know bus, but it's a bus. So when we do cleaning stuff, if I'm cleaning the sink, cleaning the bathroom, cleaning the wall, cleaning the floor, I'm I'm in it. I mean it's right there. You know, I got you know, a whole bunch more than, you know. So I'm looking for, eh, I think I'd rather not be too chemicalized or kill myself with cleaning supplies. So tell me about cleaning supplies and the quality and health of them.
3: Yeah, so the ones with our name on them, we actually spent a fair amount of time. We have a, a, a scientist that we were working with. Now, those are not necessarily made 100% out of organic products, but they're made out of the absolute cleanest ingredients that actually work. It doesn't, you know, hey, it doesn't do any good to have some kind of a cleaning product that says dish soap and doesn't take grease off and leaves your dishes as greasy as they were before. So we have, so this is a product that actually does the job And at the same time, does not have any harmful chemicals in it that would be in any way uh, harmful to your health or truthfully to the environment. We want to make sure since we sell to all these rural areas, people with septic tanks or maybe just are draining their uh, dishwater out into their gardens, that this is 100% uh, non, you know, has no damaging effect on the environment in any way or on the soil. So those are the two criteria that we really uh, focus on with uh okay. with So we products.
2: got, um, thank you. We got cleaners, cleaning, let's see, clothes, laundry, mops, brooms, brushes, odor-controlled, soap. Yeah, odor control. They want to put all these plug-in things that poison you. You know, I'm just like. I, I don't trust that crap. I don't need. Ooh, it smells like uh, death. I you know I don't. I'm I'm not doing that. Oh oh oh. This is what I'm in a market for. Oh oh oh. Eh, eh, all right all right all right. Take. It. I got my bug assault. These damn flies, man. I woo. I will get me some. <laughs> you know. And it's got my you know laser on it. You know. So I'm getting flies all. over. You got a fly paper control fly something like that. I want a bunch of them. You got something?
3: <laughs> i don't I don't know that we have fly paper, but I haven't found well, one of those that are, that are perfect, uh you know work perfectly well um but, oh you got a bug of salt <laughs> we have some uh like essential oils and such that will keep off things like mosquitoes uh but no i' that's probably one of the places I don't have now there are things that will you know, if you can catch them at the source, uh, diatomaceous earth works really well for insect control. Yeah. Well, we're in a rural
2: area with farm animals, so it's they're they're gonna they're gonna be here. I'm just like in the bus. I'm like, man, we've tried electronic stuff, plugged in stuff. Nothing works better than my bug assault. Man, let's go on safari. All right, boom. You know, and he was sad for there were no more flies to kill. Open the door. I need targets. But you know, that okay. if you had if you had something, man, I'd be all over that. Um, let's take a look at these see we got kitchen emergency preparedness. What the heck, crap? You know, how much stuff are
5: you doing? Holy well, moly. Uh, all right.
3: We've never really focused on emergency preparedness in the sense of, you know, putting things in buckets and stuff, but we do have the buckets, the Mylar bags that you can get um, those work really well. We have oxygen absorber packs that we sell, obviously all the canning jars, uh, and some of those we have actually made ourselves are had made. We don't have a glass factory here, but we have them made to our specs and they will actually, uh, hold up a lot better in canning than, you know, standard, um, you know, canning jars that you get at the hardware store. Um, as far as I got like, outdoor
2: garden products, fencing materials, man, what do you not do? Holy crap. You know, this is there's a bunch of this stuff that I'm in well, the market
3: to go, you got it. Yeah, with the homesteading community, finding high quality, you know, electric fence, we don't like carry standard fence that's the same as you can get at the hardware store. But if you're looking at something that actually works for, you know, keeping poultry or doing, um, rotational grazing or something like that that's the gallagher that we carry is you know probably the top of the line for that kind of poultry netting if you want to move your chicken pens around so you have yeah grass fed there's a whole line of thought um in that direction Uh those are the kinds of things we you know we try to find the best that we can find to hit the community of people who are really care about their health you know not everybody's going to have chickens so you know and or enough acres to be able to put poultry netting up, but if you do, here's one that actually works you know that's you good. know
2: let's talk about the you know the quality you know what's your customer service? I don't like it now you did it wrong. How do they you know interface with you, and is that ever a concern?
3: Well, hey, you know uh for starters uh we actually have a customer service department, and we actually answer the phone yeah, for starters <laughs> a lot of. <laughs> A lot of these, uh, you know, unlike most e-commerce companies, they don't have that anymore. But, you know, we uh, they're going to be able to work. You know, we pride ourselves on working with the customer to try to have as satisfied a customer as we possibly can. You know, and we have to create that balance between the perfect, you know, the perfect experience. So you tell me, hey, this doesn't this doesn't work. You know, let's see what we can do to make it right. Uh, you know, but
2: I, I get the impression from the, you know, when you had your uh, problem with they, them, those bugging you, you got a lot of national attention, and I, I, you know, I'm like, here we come to help. We're gonna out them and explain it to them, and but uh, you didn't need me. There was freaking an army of people in support of you. Is it like a as your standard seems to have developed into like its own community? And and as you grow, has that atmosphere still maintained itself? How would you describe your subscribers, your users?
3: It is more like a community or a family. And the other cool part about that community is oftentimes it leaks into the local. Because you're you're getting your food at a drop point. Um, So you're either meeting the truck or you're going to a... Grange Hall or a church or someplace where the order gets dropped. Often there is a community around that. So you meet other people that are in your local community that have at least one thing in common. They are interested in healthy and organic food. So you have at least one thing in common and you go together. And so you end up meeting a lot of, a lot of folks that way. Then there's like the online community where people, People are able to share share recipes, share stories, share what works and what doesn't work. And there's a huge network of support around that. So, you know, okay, so we have, you know, maybe the naturopathic community, uh, the uh, homesteaders community. Uh, Some of the pictures you uh, had up there a minute ago had, you know, Rory Feek. And, you know, Rory Feek is, you know, he's a great proponent, you know, obviously a very famous musician, but he's a big proponent of homesteading and getting back to the land and growing your own food and your own meat, particularly. And he has, you know, he has a drop at his place and, you know, um, gets the, you know, the the truck there and he's created a community uh, around that. And he even, you know, sometimes sells to the same people who come to get their Azure drop some of his excess eggs and, you know, meat uh, and things like that, right, that he yeah, raises on his little farm.
2: Well, this is what we're doing. I mean, we're you know, occupying the land, you All know, right. with attainable. House. So this is what we're building out here in the dead. We did the pro. That's yeah, a long story. But, you know, this is exactly what we would do yeah all right come here i got the azure drop off of 15 pallets i mean you know whatever and what is the um size of the order that you would have that you would deliver
3: well our minimum order is not huge we want to set up if you uh for an individual we just ask for a fifty dollar minimum order that's it it's like nothing um so you could as long as you're you know a member of one of the drops the drops uh, the the absolute minimum, we start at like $550 if the truck's just stopping right next to where it's at already. Then, you know, it would go up from there based on how far out you are off of, you know, from where well, if we you're we're doing it every
2: month. It's going to be at least that or twice just to freaking fill my refrigerator and pantry. I mean, you know. For for the month, it's so expensive now. That's another thing. Your pricing—how does it compare with uh, you know Walmart or whatever? I mean, we're getting, of course, a lot more dense food, but I mean, you know, talk to us about value
3: price. So the Azure's key to value is buying the you know is cooking at home. So if you're buying the ingredients, you're buying the fresh fruit, you're buying the fresh uh, product. Um. You're going to get a whale of a good deal uh, compared to Walmart or, you know, uh, Costco or someplace like that. Click into those D'Angelo pears. I think we are selling a 20-pound box for about 14 bucks. Those are transitional ones. Those are transitional organic. Um, 14 bucks, yeah. Transitional. What does that mean? That means that they're using organic practices, but they have not fulfilled the full three years on that particular piece of ground. And I happen wow. to know about that one because those are actually ours. Those are ones that we, we raised ourselves. So we actually bought an orchard nearby and had a bunch of pears on it. And um, it was from a conventional grower uh, just two years ago. So we actually have one more year of transitional. So we'll have transitional again next year as well. And then it'll be completely organic, as far as. But we do know that for two years, that's had no chemicals of any sort on it, and you know we're able to sell those pears for fourteen bucks for a twenty-pound box. You, you can't, okay, you can't now really this is beat
2: thing. that. Now, now this is another thing I want the audience to know. When we went through the orchard and so on, there was—I mean, it—you know—it's it, an orchard. You know, but it wasn't like, you know, super manicured or plowed or dissed or sprayed or whatever. It was, you know, in the wild plants. It it looked organic. I mean, you know, you got. But how are you doing your soil? Is there amendments? Is there processes or, you know, a crap load of wood chips of mulch? (laughs) You know, you get, you know, RVs dump their tankers. I mean, I I have no idea. How, How are you preparing the soil?
3: No, definitely no RVs dumping their tanks. Uh, that doesn't happen in the orchard there. But uh, so um, on on our orchards, we do uh, a series of testing. So first of all, every year you do, we do a soil test. We look at the soil and the balance of the nutrients one to another that are the minerals, particularly that are in the soil. So, for instance, the ratio of calcium and magnesium is extremely important. The magnesium has to be, um, well, about 11 to 11 to 1, uh, calcium to magnesium. Here in our orchard, for instance, we have relatively high magnesium soils. So even though our calcium is sufficient, if you were to look at a standard soil test, because our magnesium is high, we actually have to supplement with calcium to create the balance. And when you're dealing with healthy soil, it's all about balance. So I'm just using that as an example, but there's a ton of different nutrients that need to be in balance. So in order to get um, healthy, because really we're not feeding the plant. We're feeding the microorganisms that live in the soil those microorganisms that live in the soil are what feeds the plant. It's not us that feeds the plant or the stuff that we put on there. We're just creating a healthy environment for the microbes to live in. All so right.
2: What, so what do you add? Oyster shells or something?
3: Or Well, in, in our case, most of the time we're adding gypsum for calcium uh, because we're typically a little bit low in sulfur as well. So... Uh, Gypsum is calcium sulfate. It's a calcium that is mined. It's from uh, freshwater shells, basically, um, that have you know died in lake beds over however many years or the flood or something, and that's mined. And we would typically use that. But yeah, you could use other things. So it's like crushed up
2: uh, drywall. You know that white powder that you make gypsum board with or something like that Yeah, it's
3: similar except you know it's more pure it's make sure that yeah no
2: i I understand i just so people kind of get an idea what it is same thing
3: it's white basically white powder that we put on and that's the that's a calcium source um you know and so so... you
2: got a lab there you got your little you know uh, science experiments in the you know room back there somewhere
3: (laughs) we don't really have our own full-blown lab we actually send it off to other places um fortunately we have a good friend who actually uh, interned kind of on our farm years ago uh who has a lab in portland now and so we use his lab a lot Um, and so you know
2: one thing i wanted to point out to the audience you look in the back left uh behind or well his right shoulder behind him you see all these different clocks because they have time zones for your shipping around the country. I would imagine.
3: <laughs> yeah, it, we have. This used to be the customer service office. Now most of our customer service is remote all over, and um, so I'm down here in the main office now. I used to have my own office, but it burned with the warehouse, and it hasn't got rebuilt yet. So. Oh,
2: I remember that office like the second floor up there above the. Process is that that whole building there? That's what burned. That
3: building's the one that burned. Yes. Yeah, but it was kind of the older part of it,
2: so you got new, freshy, whatever. I don't have it
3: there yet at all. I don't (laughs) have the office built. It's still it's still open there, right now. Yeah, I thought of that. uh, There's so so many food processing.
2: So many food processing places were. I don't know if they're under attack, but it was kind of kawiki dick At a lot of places like yours were burning. And I'm going, yeah, Azure, of course they did. You know, and then saw that you guys are still in operation and expanding. Ass, ah, screw them. I mean, you know, so I'm like, all right, you demand. So this has been a great area. I want to give you an opportunity. Anything else you want to share with the audience before you go?
3: Hey, just um, Azure's mission here is to support families that want to eat healthy. And I really encourage folks to feed your family healthy, especially if you have children, especially young children. The habits that they make in their growing up years, that will be what they have for the next generations to come or definitely for the rest of their life. And uh, so I really want to encourage everyone to think about The way that, you know, you feed your family. And Azure's mission is here to support you to do that the best that you possibly can. You know, we want to support, hey, if you're growing a garden, go for it. You can't get better than that. Um, But don't use glyphosate on it. Don't use any of that (laughs) crap. You, You know, do it. Do you have seeds, too? I think I remember you having seeds, don't you? We do. We have garden seeds. We even sell the plant starts in the spring. Uh, usually mar- middle of March to about the middle of June, we have the plant starts. We do have some of the organic fertilizers that you're able you know, to get through Azure. Um, most of those work really good for gardening. Who Who competes with you? I don't know
2: anyone that... I mean, you know, I get Walmart will come, you know, Amazon will drop me off a bag or something, but you know, bleh, you know, so this is, you know, is there anyone in the country that does any, even similar to the amount of variety and capability and speed and quality that you do?
3: Well, I hope not. I've never even heard anybody that does <laughs> this. I hope we're a little bit out
5: in front. Hey, you are going to love the movie Victimless Crime Spree. It's hilarious heartwarming, and carries a ton of inspiring freedom messages. Feeling down about the lack of liberty in your life? You need to put on this film with some friends and have a good laugh. It's a true story about me and my friends in New Hampshire living free, singing, dancing, and getting arrested. Of course, it's all on video, and the bad guys, the cops, judges, bailiffs, and sheriffs, they all play their part like it's out of a movie or something. You would think we scripted the whole thing, but it's real life. Go ahead and have a watch. And if it's been a while, have another look. I guarantee you'll notice things now that you didn't notice before. And the best part is that you're going to walk away feeling a renewed sense of your own power. You are the master of your destiny, and you will be free in your lifetime. Victimless Crime Spree.
0: It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock.
2: Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash, digital cash. In addition to being one of the world's first cryptocurrencies, Dash was the first crypto project with a decentralized, autonomous organization that to this day continues to improve and promote Dash. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month for this sponsorship. It's easy to get and use Dash. You can learn more at Dash.org. That's Dash.org. Welcome back to Declare Your Independence with me Ernest Hancock on the Free Talk Live network on Genesis. We're continuing our conversation with David Stelzer, founder and CEO of Azure Farm and Azure Standard, which is a standard of organic food that is available and shipped in refrigerated trucks all over the country. And you just put in your zip code, you go to Azure Standard azurestandard.com and you just put in your town name or your zip code and boom where you can have pallets of organic food, raw material, flour, healthcare products, high personal hygiene, supplements that are organic. And I know this, my wife and I years ago went and spent a few days with them, did a three-hour show from there, it was awesome. And now, we're going to be an affiliate for them, when it, we revamped the show and we wanted to redo our website and focus on how we could best serve our listeners and our readers. Well, it's definitely going to be a food thing and we sought them out. And this show, will tell you why. Enjoy. Who, who competes with you? I don't know anyone that, I mean, you know, I get Walmart will come, you know, Amazon will drop me off a bag or something, but, you know, bleh, you know, so this is, you know, is there anyone in the country that does any, even similar to the amount of variety and capability and speed and quality that you do?
3: Well, I hope not. I've never even heard anybody that does <laughs> this. I hope we're a little bit out in front. I guess if. If I were to say that there is a competitor that, you know, uh is out there, um you know, probably Costco is the place that a lot of our customers would go to if they're not buying from Azure. Uh not that I'm a big fan of Costco, it's just, you know, it's just the other place you can buy a little bit more bulk foods. Um not, you know, <laughs> And they're not vetting it. I will guarantee you, not. Yeah, they like- delivering neither. Yeah. So
2: this is, I you know this is David. This has been you know, David Stelzer. Is, is that how you say it, Stelzer? Yep, that's right. I win. Woo-hoo. Okay, David Stelzer is the guy right there. You see him, guy, <laughs> multi generational, hundred years kind of thing. You know, grandpa, great grand. How far does it go back?
3: Well, my my grandfather is the one who started the farm here. Um, he, he, you know, he was a first generation immigrant from Ukraine, actually. And so he was the first, uh, farmer in, in America. Uh, he came over in about, uh, I think about 1912 or somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, right. Just right before, uh, world war one. And then he, um, and then you have the picture up here. That's my mom and dad here in the, on the right, and they're still living on the farm. And then my and then my wife and I here, and this is my son and his wife. It's just one of my sons, and then a couple of their children, a couple of my grandchildren, down at the at the bottom. Um, and that and was- the
2: children get to play in the orchard without fear of getting chemically freaking cancer.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh you know, a little girl here, that's uh, Zach's daughter, and she lives exactly right across the orchard from my house. So she she walks her and her little brother, they'll walk over almost every day through the orchard to come visit. Uh, what
2: an awesome life. Yeah. You win.
1: Good on <laughs> you, man.
2: You win. For the win. Hey. David Stelzer. David Stelzer, thank you very much. Azure Standard, a z u r e standard dot com, Azure Standard dot. Yeah, why Azure? I know it means blue or something, but how did that come about?
3: Well, way in the early years, uh, when I first started um, delivering the grains back in the old uh, Chevy Love pickup, um, we were looking at, hey, what do we really, you know, what is our mission and our goal? And uh, it's, well, it's to do it right. It's to grow food right, you know, been into organic already by then, almost 20 years. Um, I'm really interested in, you know, setting a standard of doing things right. And blue, um, you know, typically uh, stands for Law, Justice, Right, uh, that's why we have a field of blue in the U.S. flag with the white stars in it. It's the background of law with all the states and you know the stars in the in the background. Um, you know that's in heraldry. That's what it's always stood for. So we got to thinking about it. And hey, we we want to create a standard, a blue standard or a, a right standard of uh, of eating or growing food. Really, at that time was more of the growing. And uh, so we thought, oh, well, you know, we're not. So got a little bit creative with it and said, well, Azure is the right shade of blue. It's like the shade of the, you know, the summer sky from the top of a mountain. Uh, And so, hey, the blue sky signifies, you know, God's law and justice that surrounds the earth. And so let's. If we're going to try to make a difference in how it, you know, how organic food is marketed, we call it the Azure Standard, the blue, the blue standard, uh, or the the standard of doing it right. Beautiful
2: story, man. That's awesome, 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 awesome. You know, is your family, your children, your sons, daughters? I mean, are, are they you know, they're enthusiastic about carrying this on? Mostly yes.
3: Yeah. Well, I have eleven children. So um there There's some in there. <laughs> uh, but there How many grandchildren you got so far? Uh, ten. But I've got t- a couple it. more on the way. I got
2: four kids, I got twelve, man. I Woo-hoo,
3: think maybe you are a little ahead of our youngest is uh our youngest is thirteen, so are your youngest grandchild? No, or my child? youngest child is 13.
2: You the freaking man. So, this is... All right, all right.
3: So Zach, that's my oldest. He He's uh, here in this picture, so... So he's how old? 30-something? Yeah, about that. 31, I think. Well, guy, they're
2: young, man. You started a little later. Holy crap, <laughs> man. You know, this is, this is so encouraging and it's such a good example of like your standard we have our standards too and we wanted to make sure that we can maintain that and the trust with our audience and that's something that i could you know point to this show and say that we donna and i've actually gone there i know what the grandchildren are playing in i've seen the orchards and the fields and the uh, uh, wheat Fields and the you know and and the processing and making of flour and the warehouses and looked at their product lines and it just keeps getting bigger you know and and, and I just know when you got the standard and Dad says you know. That's what it is, and you got your father there, you know, kind of peeking over the you know, shoulder too. So this is this is awesome, you know. Thanks for spending the time with me. This is this is really, you know, uh, good to get caught up again. And we'll be, you know, uh, starting to push you here in the next few weeks. We got it up. But we're going to start you know, redesigning everything and emphasizing what you do more. And I well, appreciate you. you spending
3: this extra time with me, David. Thank you very much. Very, uh, very glad to do it. Thanks so much. And we'll hey, um, I pre- appreciate what you're trying what you're trying to do here. Thank you. I'm
2: glad you're there, so we can do
3: it. Oh. Peace. <laughs> well,
2: that was informative and inspiring. Azurestandard.com, where you can get organic food, supplements, uh, personal hygiene products, on in one place. And I've visited there. There is no, the whole reason I went there was because they resisted the government trying to force them to control their weeds with glyphosate. And I remember when the county uh, supervisor go, yeah, you cheated. You used the internet. <laughs> so we did a lot to help them back then. And I'm glad that we've made use of them personally, but now I want to share this with the rest of our audience and so on. We're going to be making another big order. So that was awesome. Now, what I'm going to be able for the rest of the show, I wanted to introduce you to a Argentine young woman that we met here in Arizona as part of the Project Arizona, where they have young entrepreneurs come and visit every year. And we always interview them all for... God, a decade. I mean, it's been a long time. They'll have like eight, about eight of them from all over Europe, Asia, India, Nepal, Russia, Ukraine, Poland, Czechoslovakia, um, Argentina. You know, Peru. It's been it's been very interesting meeting these young people. Some sometimes like from Japan, uh, uh, the language barrier is a little bit there, but we we get it out. And what happens is, right when Javier Malay was during his campaign last November in uh, twenty three, it was right when this was coming up, and he wins. Well, before he actually won, the young you know uh, libertarian. Anarchist, voluntarist, uh, anarcho-capitalist from Argentina. The young woman, uh, a lot of her career, her education was all in espousing this philosophy, you know, doing conferences. That's how uh, she spoke at an event in Europe. And that's how she got tapped in to come into Project Arizona. And I really liked her. She, she's a, a nice young woman. So Maria Lobo Murga is from Argentina. She's a graduate of the Project Arizona. And we talked about how. Javier Malay and his rise to leadership and that he had just given his speech, his presentation to World Economic Forum and said, you guys are the problem, which was awesome. So we wanted to see how things are going in Argentina now. What's the culture shift? The people, are they behind it? What age group who is in opposition? How is that going? So you'll find this conversation very interesting. I'll try and get as much of our conversation edited in to tonight's show, but you can always go to freedomsphoenix at the top right you'll have the banner it goes to declare your independence with Ernest Hancock and all the complete shows are there. Now you can just go to Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock com, but that's kinda long. <laughs> and then you'll have all the show We've got a lot of great shows there. And I try and pick some of the best ones for you guys here on the network. Enjoy. And it's me, Ernest Hancock. Ooh, hello. It's going to be very nice, very nice, very nice. We're going to have a good time today. What we're going to be doing is uh, kind of a special treat for y'all. You want to know what's up? What's up? What's up in Argentina? Well, Maria uh, Lobo, Murga, Bur- uh, she's I practiced, I practiced it. I tried. I was I was the, I was good for I knew I was going to forget 3 minutes later. The um it's M U R G A Maria Lobo L O B O uh, Merga, uh Mer, Murga uh whatever. M U R G A. Maria's going to say it for us so we know uh how we say her name cuz we want to say her name. Go ahead. Okay,
6: Maria Lobo Murga. It's
2: Murga All right. I yeah. I am <laughs> I apologize if I do it wrong, but Maria, we've met before. Uh, Maria was um, a part of the Project Arizona here in Arizona. Oops, wrong one. Uh, she was Pro- Project Arizona here in Ar- Arizona Is entrepreneurs and like-minded libertarian individuals from around the world. I mean, we've had you know, China, Taiwan, Nepal... Uh, Poland, Georgia, Italy, United Kingdom, uh, Ukraine—you know, uh, it—it's it, amazing from all over the world. It just so happened that when we interviewed the students this last this last season, this last winter, uh, November around in there, what happened? That was when uh, Javier Malay was making all kinds of noise, and we came across our radar screen because he was on podcasts and radio stations just calling the uh, elite or the politicos or the bureaucrats. He was just hammering on them. They are scumbag pieces of crap, and he wasn't pulling his language or nothing. He was just really slapping them around. Now, the first mainstream media in the United States that we got, it went I think it was the Washington Post or Times or something, they go like this. They go, well, there's this guy, Javier Malay, and... But he has funny hair like Trump. That was it. And I'm like going, What the crap? That's your evaluation? You know, then we find out that, you know, he wears Captain N Cap superhero outfit and everything. So we're like, Woo, that's cool. Now, what happened was there was a book, I can't remember what the name of it was, Morning Something, but it was a book that got to Javier Millet from Doug Casey. Doug Casey was on the show a couple weeks ago. And he was saying, yeah, made sure he got, when he read that book, then he started calling himself, you know, a narco-capitalist. And it's always some little bit of information. It's a tipping point that goes over. Now, Maria was from Argentina here visiting for, you know, a month or two here in the United States. And we have some pictures that we'll scroll of her being at the... Arizona Supreme Court getting some classes in Constitution by Clint Bullock a good friend of ours that is a Supreme Court justice then we a have good of mine now. <laughs> I'm sorry it's a good friend of mine now very cool I'm, I'm sure he is you know he, he's very <laughs> supportive of you guys especially Argentina Javier it's got we're all excited about this you know we'll see what's happening. So then we have um, a conversation with Maria. We get to find out a little bit about her. That link to that show is, I'm sure, Donna, if she hadn't already, she's going to put it in the archive, and you can go listen to that show, and we'll get a lot more personal details about Maria and her upbringing. I'm always getting, why, why, why? Are you like this? Why? What did your grandmother say? You know. So we already did that. You know, That was last show. So now that she's gone back to Argentina, her goal I would imagine, as you stated before, expansion of this. It's time to hit the ground running. It's time to add fuel to the fire, man. Woo! We gonna get to be libertarian in Argentina, which was not the atmosphere recently. You, man, oh, you're a liberal. What? You know, you're a liberal. You're, you're a classic liberal. You're know, libertarian, and uh, that didn't go over well. So I want to make sure that we touch base with Maria. And find out after he's been in, he starts lopping off a bunch of government. He goes to the World Economic Forum and tells all them they're wrong. And then he um, and there's something about that I wanted to mention too. But and he started lopping off a, a, a bunch of government employees. So this is interesting from Maria's perspective to share on the ground what's going on and how it affect her future decisions. Now the one thing I wanted to I'll throw it to you and you can just monologue me, tell me everything from the time that you, you know, heard of him went through your impression, what changed the election, you going back, how things are going now, what the populace is going on all the unions are freaking hell no, you know, so we'll see what's going on there. But when he gave the presentation at the World Economic Forum there was the translation that you get and I listened to the trans you know, the guy trying to translate he's talking ah, all right cool you know and I know a little bit of Spanish so i you know got by and understood what was up but then I saw a version of it you know without subtitles without the, it was artificial intelligence that converted his speech to English in his voice with his lip sync. Have you seen that? No, no, I haven't. Oh, oh my God. Man, you got to get that. Let me do this. Yes. In English? Yeah, so she's going to send it to you. So you have this. If they did it in okay. English, that means they did it in some other languages. So Javier yes. Malay got exposed to our audience around the world in English with his mouth matching English in his voice. So I'm going, Ooh, you got some of the technology now. I wish we had this kind of stuff. This is awesome. So a lot of the messaging, which is why where Arizona Project started, you know, was Yasek did Language of Liberty with Glenn Kripe. Language of Liberty, a lot of this stuff was done in English. Well, because a lot of the founders, you know, John Locke, a lot of, you know, um, really freedom-oriented material. A lot of it's in English. So you get it converted and translated and so on. But to be able to have someone speaking their own native tongue and then it come out in their voice as a native tongue of the audience, what the crap, okay? Just saying, That's we got that now. So... With that said, and that's another tool put in your you know, your quiver, I just want to make sure you get that. So start with from the time your experience here in Arizona, you went back, there was the election, then there's the after the election. You got plenty to tell us. Now, I'll give you a little bit of your bio here just so they know we got someone's skills. She has a degree in economics from the National University of Tucumán. She was a scholarship recipient of uh, various programs, United Nations Development Program, which they have, you know, here in high school and colleges here. You know, like, ooh, you're a leader. You're an influence. We want you to get UNized, you know. So anyway, so I doubt that had a lot of impact on Maria. Now, she taught, um, that was taught at the University of Buenos Aires, managing to assist uh, the Kachaki Communities of Northern Argentina, I guess that's a native tribe there. She has a Diploma in Conflict Transformation from the Autonomous University of Barcelona in Barcelona, Spain. She was distinguished as an Outstanding Student in the Certification of Competitions and Oppositions of the European Union in Barcelona. She was a scholarship recipient of the Young Leaders Program of the Friedrich Naumann Foundation, uh, Young Leaders Program, the Young Front Movement. She's currently pursuing a master's degree in politics and government at the University of Sao Paulo in Tucumán, Argentina. So, what I'm seeing here in this bio, Maria, is this is a resume of a politico, somebody that wants to be involved in government, somebody that wants to, you know, something. What is it you want to do? And how is it that, you know, you kind of got the Arizona Project? with a libertarian freedom orientation and how are you bringing that back I want to know what your real politics are, your philosophical understanding and then bring that to where you came to Arizona through Arizona, you go back to Argentina Harvey uh, Javier Millet so go Thank
6: you, thank you so much Ernie Mm -hmm. Um, yes, when you read my background you it seems that I am really a politician, but I am really a person who cares about society. I have uh, born in a place that have been poor, very poor, in the last 20 years. Uh, population, yeah, it's called Argentina. <laughs> yes, but my city almost and mostly in Argentina, that is in the north of Argentina, and uh this poor um, way of living made me feel that I had to do something. so I studied economics and uh, I studied pre- market economics because in in my university i uh, I could uh, choose that and be able to study pre market economics. And then uh, I made many postgraduate studies and, you know, grants and going through one part of the the globe to another, to Barcelona and then to the United States. I have been in India. I have been in, in different parts of the world. And I realized that poverty is mainly in our heads, you know, your power when you don't have something to it but if you don't have liberty in your mind if you don't uh, feel educated as a free individual it is very difficult to to reach that uh, material free freedom you know so I became uh, in the movement of liberty in about uh, like six years ago, and then I started politics to make some change in my in my province. I think I couldn't make the change I wanted to see in my province, so I I went away, and now I'm in Buenos Aires. And when I was in Project Arizona last October and November. It was because I was uh, doing some conference on August uh, for Liberty International World Conference in Madrid.
3: Being wrong. Nobody's right. If everybody's wrong.
2: Welcome to declare your independence on the Free Talk Live network.
0: It's time for declare your independence with Ernest Hancock.
1: Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember. I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Let us make them remember. We are not afraid!
2: No fear, no fear, no fear here and Declare Your Independence with me, Ernest Hancock. We're continuing our conversation with Argentine young economist Maria Lobo-Murga. Now, Maria, I interviewed her in November, right when Javier Millet was starting to
1: rise
2: to prominence in the freedom community. And uh, we had a conversation. She'd been at this advocating for free market capitalism in uh, for years before him. And then you get this wild hair crazy guy coming in there. You know, how'd that go over? Well, it went over enough. He got elected, I can tell you that. So this has been a very interesting conversation from the beginning of this, what happened since his election, him speaking at the World Economic Forum, telling them that they are the problem. So I wanted to know how... Argentine people, Generation Next, how this is having an impact on a local and international level. Well, Maria gives us the inside scoop.
6: And when I was in Project Arizona last October and November, it was because I was uh, doing some conference on August uh, for Liberty International World Conference in Madrid. I I was one of the speakers. I was uh, talking about the situation in Latin America and in Argentina and talking what, um, trying to um, spread a little bit the message of what was going on in my country and how important it free market in, in Argentina and in Latin America too in Latin American countries too, because as you know, there are uh, many problems with other governments and other states in Latin America too. So there, in in the World Conference uh, in Madrid, Yasek, uh, that is the president of Liberty International, uh, asked me if I wanted to go to the um, uh, to Project Arizona last year so so i i was some some months there uh we have great experiences with there we have some pictures with with all the community of liberalism in in arizona in phoenix and and we have known many people we have uh been in touch with um some lawyers with some foundations with some organizations we have been with uh judge clean Bolik, and it, that was very good very um nutritive for for our knowledge and when i went to project arizona i was wondering what what was going to happen in my country because we didn't have Javier Millet as president in that moment, we were running on the ballotage, and um, you're running on the what? We we uh, have the the second chance of of the election, the ballotage, you know, mm. because Javier Millet have the the first one that it was uh, the the election. And the second one was the ballotage when, uh, because in the first one he didn't win. In the, oh, second in the primary, step, he
2: qualified for the general election.
6: Yes, but then we have general elections, and we didn't win in that general elections. We we have a, a very good percentage of the votants, so we passed to a third one that was the ballotage. That third one was the one that he competed with only one other candidate that was Massa, Sergio Massa. But we have three elections, president, presidential election this year. The Paso, the general one, and the Valodad. And in the Valodad in the in November on November, uh, there Javier Millet became president. So did that I didn't... surprise you? Yes. Yes, in the last conversation that we had, um, there was something very special because we we wanted to. Um, you asked me if if I uh, think in that moment what the if Javier Millet was going to be president, and I really didn't think that was going to happen because uh, we have been so many years with this. Um, type of government and so many people um depends on the government that for me it was very difficult that the people changed their mind uh, and i was very surprised what when it happened okay
2: i want i want to ask you this because make this comment because i don't know you know i haven't checked i didn't whatever <clears throat> as libertarian activists Yes. it has been our assumption that the elections were fraudulent. We didn't believe that the people really wanted this kind of crap, certainly in America. So mm-hmm. we were going, this thing is, which is why, you know, I was so focused on election fraud and everything in my early days. And now I'm just like, man, just, you know, the, 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 you're still voting. I mean, you know, whatever. But the um, the thing that I find interesting is that he did win just like you know Trump did lose, you know this last time. Did he really have I mean, you know that kind of thing. So I'm not a big giant Trump fan, but you could just tell man it was messed up. Was there a change in Argentina's balloting? You know, do you think it was more legitimate this time? Was it different? Was there paper ballots? Did they have machines before and they don't now? Or they were being scrutinized more or something, you know, how is it possible that Javier Malay won? You know, I want to know how it was even freaking possible. So tell me about the election process itself. Was it different?
6: Um, We have two things here. One is that when we think that there is fraud, many, many times we think that people is paid uh, for going to vote to one person or another, and when we say that, uh, we think that people that need money take that money and vote something. People in Argentina were are tired of that kind of um, fraud and that kind of uh, things that government have been doing the last uh, the last years because. They don't have uh, freedom then to uh, buy what what they want. What what is that happening in Argentina? Because we have a lot of inflation and a lot of economic problems. If we didn't have that economic problems, I don't know if uh, fraud will be uh, better for for elections. So it's not electronic.
2: It was just they just pay. You. I mean how no. I mean how much are you, you thinking. They were paid. I mean, you know, to get me to change my vote.
6: It was the same, but the people uh, do not want to be paid because they know that the money that uh, they were being paid uh, was not enough for their pocket. They, the inflation had been so strong that people uh, doesn't trust anymore on the government that was paying them to, to vote them, you know?
2: Wait a minute, 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 let's get this clear. Do you mean they'd actually go, here's your, I don't know, thousand peso, ten dollar, whatever the heck it was. Here's your money, vote this way. Or do you mean in like entitlements or government programs or something? Both. Really? You have They actually, both. They actually would give them cash, go vote the right way. Now, is it paper ballots? Or is it a... You know, uh, electronic machine. How is the actual voting done in Argentina?
6: We have electronic vote, uh, but uh, there are no not much uh, provinces with electronic votes. So uh, it was not a change, a really strong change in that in that way. The most important thing I I think is the uh, that the people doesn't have money and the government still doing the same and when you have a great inflation you uh, if the same government tells you that it's going to change things you don't you don't believe on it and we don't have a, that kind of fraud that you say okay there was fraud because of the electronic vote or something like that we don't have that what we have is people that uh goes to the elections and vote for somebody that is paying them
2: or is uh promising them uh, something. It's like they they lowered the taxes or gave them free buses or something right before the election or they did yeah. some crap, you know? I mean, so it's, it's it's uh yeah, it's just fraud another way. Okay. So Yes. The question is one
6: point. But the other point that is very important is all the work that uh, Javier Millet and um, many of the libertarian world has been doing here in Argentina to make people be conscious of what was happening in Argentina. When you don't know what is inflation, when you don't know that inflation is caused by the government, uh, by the mission, by printing money when you don't know that uh, the great problem in your economy is that the the state is very big and that's why uh, the state is printing money, you don't think the state is the problem. You think the state is going to solve things. But uh, Javier Millet and many uh, libertarian people, as me, we try to make people understand that the biggest problem that we have is the, the great state that we have, and that uh, has to change.
2: So they got educated, change. so we, the people were educated. They go, all right, we understand now, we get it. And he was yelling yeah. it loudly from the top of the building, so that helped, you know. Now, did he have any coattails? In America, what that means is um, because Javier was elected, were other libertarian politicians elected? Did people run with them? Did they vote a lot of the government out or was it just Javier Javier, Javier Millet that uh, was elected? Was there other libertarians?
6: What? Can you repeat that? I didn't Were there understand.
2: other libertarians in other races that got elected because Javier oh. was elected?
6: Yes, I think so. Yes, there was... Um... Yes, Javier was the main important character in all this um act, but uh, there was another I don't know, deputy or legislative people that goes in, in different parliaments that were, were elected because of the that because they were with Javier Millet, I really think so. Well yes. are there no, the, no.
2: the incumbent politicians that are in your, do you have like a parliamentary system or, a, you know, uh, h- how is your government organized?
6: We have a Republican uh, system. We have the legislative that make laws. We have the executive that is the president and the governors, uh, the one that make uh, things happen, and um, the justice as as you have similar the Well I mean in United. your
2: legislature are there two houses like a Senate and a House of Representatives?
6: In the in Argentina state, in the federal state we have two houses. But in the um, in this in some state there they have one and another state we have two. It depends on the state. Okay.
2: So yeah it's very similar. We have a lot of different ways of things in the US too. But um The idea that he comes in, man, I'm going to take a meat axe to this budget. And I remember when he had up on the whiteboard, it was departments of government. eh, dead, gone, 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 okay? Well, that was embraced by the people like, yeah, yeah, get rid of, yeah, get them all out. Well, then he became president and he started doing it. Has he been able to get those cuts in government through the legislature does he even have to? Or was that a presidential thing and he could just lop off that government as president?
6: There are some things he can do and some things he cannot do. He could uh, eliminate some ministries, some uh, agencies. You have like agencies. Um, he, he could do it because he was president. But now we have uh, these bas law i don't know if you have heard about it that is a very big law that he presented uh the first week he w- he was in charge and uh this law is having some troubles because it's a big law with uh 368 laws inside and many change in different aspects of the, of different statement of life of the people. And, uh, that is making some noise. But with the ministries, people was, ha- people were happy because they knew that was going to happen if Javier Millay was president. And it reflects the direct consequence is that we will have less people in the, in the government, so less expenditure, too.
2: Now, you talked about deregulation and a bunch of other stuff, tax reform, all kinds of crap, but the big thing that was non-negotiable was the elimination of the central bank. How's that going?
3: <sighs>
2: okay.
6: Um, in this moment, we don't have anything about that. We don't have eliminated our central bank. But I think it's something that he wants to do. I don't know if he's going to do it in this period, in this fourth year, because he's going to be president uh, for four years. But maybe in the next period, if he's president. Uh, but I know he he wants... he, he has oh, No, no, he, he
2: made a big clear deal out of that. But... You know, you have uh, here in the United States, we'll have like a presidential election in 2020, then 22 comes and there is a midterm election. So you have a lot of senators and all of the House of Representatives is replaced. When is the elections in Argentina for the lower houses, you know, for your legislature? When how often do they get elected and when does that happen? Two
6: years. We have two-year elections, but uh, they stay uh, as legislator for four years, but um, the the House of representative changed by parts, you know. Two years changed like a half, and then it changed the other
2: part, and it goes that way. So do you think they're, the people are ready for the next election? They're like, <laughs> two more years and we're going to get more libertarians. Uh, that's a problem, you know. You think they will?
6: Yes, we want that, but, but that is a problem because uh, normally that elections, that middle-term elections, are very difficult uh, for the government. Because it changed everything what is happening in the, in the houses, you know? They have one structure that they, they are going with, with that. And when you have a middle term elections, it, it is difficult to make it, uh, work again. Sometimes it is good, but sometimes you don't have the best election in, the, in that middle term, you know?
2: You know, let's go ahead. I want to do this. Let's look at this. Okay. This is, you know, just a a map. Let's see. Can I move this? Nah, whatever. So here is Argentina. Buenos Aires is right here where Maria is right now. So that is about, I can't tell the latitude here. Okay. There's there's the uh, Tropic of Cancer or Capricorn. I can't remember. And then, uh, so it's about even with... Yeah, so it's about, you know, the United States, Southern United States, you know, Carolinas or whatever is uh Buenos Aires, but it's a long country, so it probably is like Washington to Southern California or Washington, Florida or Maine to Florida kind of thing. So it's now it's summer there. So you it's hot there now, right? So you got it's summer of course it is, but anyway, so so you get an idea. <laughs> so the um Buenos Aires used to be such a pearl of South America. Buenos Aires was rich, you know, a century ago. But that, that's why the Nazis all went to Argentina. I mean, they go, ooh, we're going to Argentina." So this has been a um, really an inspiring for us to see this happen in what was considered a Western world, Judeo-Christian. Heavily Catholic, I would imagine. You know, there's a predominant religion there. You have people are probably more Christian than they are Muslim. I mean, you know, it's just, so it's really part of the Western world. To have um, this happen happen in our hemisphere, we haven't seen that before. You know, there hasn't, I don't know of any other real anarcho-capitalist, capitalist, um, uh, business-friendly, not socialist, communist, whatever, invasion in the Western Hemisphere. Hell, even Canada has gone freaking socialist. So this is um, a beachhead. You know, this is kind of a a front that Argentina is going to get attacked. There is no way in heck they, them, those are going to allow this to happen sure as hell after Javier Miller went to the World Economic Forum and told him to stick it and we're going to be freedom, okay? So Mm -hmm. when he did that, how was that perceived by the Argentine people? They're like, woo, 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 you go, man, you know, or where they're like, "Oh, oh, he's bad, man, look how he embarrassed us. What was the response from the media in Argentina? No, I
6: don't think I. I don't think that people uh, is afraid because we don't have any war, uh, near here. We really don't live on on a uh, country that have any war. Uh, so we have Malvinas, yes, you know, but. Um, we are not accustomed to fight like with an army or any invasion. We we don't have that in Argentina. We are far away from the normal conflict in the in the globe.
0: There are peace train roads. It's the Ernest Hancock show. Where we're going, there aren't any roads.
2: Uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies. That's what readers of phoenix.com get every day. Readers of freemusphoenix.com are constantly provided the information that detail the real news between the lines of propaganda about government policies and the true relationship we all have with coercive governments. Learn the true condition of our economy, innovations and technological breakthroughs in energy, health, computer science, and space travel. Learn the truth well before it's admitted to in the lamestream media, the media that is so last century. Corporate media has evolved into nothing more than distributors of government propaganda. But we now have a fantastic alternative. FreedomsPhoenix.com provides constant news updates on the issues that affect our lives in the most important ways. Our liberty and our property are under constant attack, and FreedomsPhoenix.com provides an understanding behind the propaganda, while encouraging the participation of our readers. Join us at FreedomsPhoenix.com. That's Freedoms with an S, Phoenix.com. FreedomsPhoenix.com, where the revolution between the ears is already mature. Welcome back to Declare Your Independence with me, Ernest Hancock, and the Free Talk Live Network. We're continuing our conversation with Maria Lobo-Murga. She's from Argentina, and we're talking about Javier Malay's election and his presentation to the World Economic Forum of They're the Problem, and freedom's the answer to any question. And we wanted to get her perspective from being in Argentina. We'll squeeze in as much as we can right now.
6: I I don't think that people uh, is afraid because we don't have any war uh, near here. We really don't live on, on a uh, country that have any war. Uh, so we have Malvinas, yes, you know, but um, we are not accustomed to fight like with an army or any invasion. We, we don't have that in Argentina. We are far away from the normal conflicts in the in the globe so i don't think people have that in mind i really don't think that but uh mostly i think that people are very happy and and the academic one uh mostly the the academics um want to to argentina be Seen by, by the rest the rest of the of the world because we have been uh, in so much poverty and so much travel in the sixty last year that all that problems that we have made Argentina uh, not being seen not for uh, good stuff you know only for bad stuff. So I think that that people in Argentina are very happy because we now have some impact in the world and in the Western um, and our president. So they're believing in a
2: future. They think that there's you know a positive future coming. You know, this is, it's going to be business friendly. Regulations are going to be reduced. You're going to have people uh, encouraged to be entrepreneurs. They're going to start businesses. They're going to, you get rid of the bank. I mean, that'll help a lot, you know, but um, I saw something that he somehow legitimized, legalized or something cryptocurrency. What was that about?
6: Yes, he had a cryptocurrency on in some moment the, there was something like that we were going to be dollarized and uh, it started like a cryptocurrency of of this dollarization um, but now it doesn't have so much impact that but he's still with the idea of dollarizing our economy yay <laughs> i think that's going to happen in this year
2: well dollarizing i don't know how much you know frying pan into the fire but you know it's uh at least you're getting off of something i don't know
6: when we talk about dollarizing is that telling uh, making laws that uh make dollar as our current currency and um, that we can spend in dollars here in Argentina as we spend in in peso ar- argentino and um, something like that is going to happen I think I don't know if this year or the next year but he's with that idea still
2: Yeah, no legal tender laws. That was a big thing that uh, Ron Paul was about. He's going you know I'd have the government determine what's currency is not their job, you know. In the before the Civil War, the the, the United States held it was gold and silver. That was it, you know. And then you had banks would have their own notes and stuff like that. You know, Wells Fargo would you know ship paper of whatever to their banks. It's just you know, once the government gets involved in the money, it doesn't turn out well. I mean, you know, I don't care how you do it. You know, oh, but we'll, we'll get dollars. Yay! I mean, you know, we'll see how that works. But the... um The
6: point, the point here is that uh, mostly the Argentinian people um, have many dollars in their homes because they save their money with dollars. And the point, the most important point here is that people start using that dollars and not having it. Uh, well, let
2: me ew. let me ask you this: I'm old enough to have remembered when God, when I was in high school, we'd go to Mexico, and it was, God, it was um, five to one, I think. You know, it was like five pesos to a dollar or something like that. You know, then it's then it was like a gabillion. Then they lopped off some zeros and made it twenty. And then it you know, it it it's never really you can understand unless you actually go back and see what they did and how many zeros they took off kind of deal of what the exchange rate was in argentina i remember argentina had hyperinflation before you know this inflation thing this is like in my lifetime that i remember at least god the third time or something so this is how old are you
6: i am 33 now okay so so
2: 33
6: i'm sorry I wasn't born in the hyperinflation
2: right so this is my point you go well we you know we don't like the government we don't trust the old kind of, you know well it's the internet version of uh history now to where you can look back and see it's happened over and over and over they just keep doing it they get a new generation of people such as yourself that didn't experience it you don't remember oh this is a new thing no it's not they keep doing it you know so I'm I'm looking at your experience and those of older people that remember. those. You know, the older people, they're the ones with dollars underneath their mattress. I guarantee it, okay? Those are the guys that remember. So to go through this and be educated, it was because of the Internet that you were able to... It didn't take a lot to convince the older guys that have gone through this before, I would imagine, unless they got a government job or something. But, you know, the young people, to describe to them why they don't have a job, why they don't feel free, why they don't have opportunities, why they need to go to another country, why, you know, their future is bleak and, you know, they're not going to be able to afford to have a family. So that educational process that you went through Was it just Javier Malay up there screaming in the microphone? Did he educate them? Did you? Were there other people? What infrastructure was there there to bring this about? Because I'm sure Javier got educated by somebody, you know, something, you know, and then he represented a bunch of people bringing this stuff to the front. So who was doing the educating?
6: I think it was not only one person. Javier Millet got popular because of his idea, but uh, the point here is that the people was um, they didn't want to live the way they were living. Not only the youth, but uh, the the older they they didn't want to live another. Uh, hyperinflation, hyperinflation in Argentina because they know that was going to happen and they wanted a change. And Javier Millet um, showed that he knows about the economy and he knows what w- he was doing and it was another possibility that we have. But uh, I don't think he was the, the educator of the, of the Argentinian people. But he did a very good job because uh, he was very popular, and um, he made people start to doing some questions to themselves that they didn't do do before. Uh, the state was very popular. The president was very popular. Uh, the figure of the of the president because it's a presidential country, and we we as society. Um, think that the president was like the father of the country and Javier Millet changed that idea and not only Javier Millet other economists and other people that talk about what was happening really in the economy was because of the um, of the government and of the the lot of expenditure that the government has well that had- it was not only Javier Millet, you know, it it was like a uh, lot of people talking about the same thing, but Javier Millet was this popular guy with a very strange hair and with a uh, strange mood
2: in in his way of speaking. But
6: he, no,
4: wasn't he was clear. He,
2: he was like, "Yeah, this and this is why," and not being afraid of. Well, if we just kind of you know, hunkered down, and we're a little bit more free. No, no, you guys suck. Get out of the way. The next generation needs to take this over. Freedom's the answer. What's the question? And, oh, by the way, if I didn't tell you, I want to tell you again, you guys suck. I mean, you know, so that is very much embraced when you have people that are so down. Trodden, just beaten in the submission on so many levels. So it didn't surprise me as much. We covered his campaign a lot. And when I first talked to you the first time, you know, I was probably a little bit more enthusiastic about it than you were. You know, I was like, you know, uh, this is going to be a thing. I've seen this before. So this is um, the people, have they. Really got educated? Are they embracing it? They understand. They're starting to read. They're you know, got the you know, Spanish translation of Atlas Shrugged. I mean, you know, are they are they you know educating the entire generation in Argentina? Yeah. You know, is that happening?
6: Yes, yes, that that had happened, and now people uh, heard uh, hear uh, about the the liberalism and the Austri Austriacs. And about Hayek, about uh, Mises, or, you, you know there are many others Rothbard, that yeah. yes, that before they they weren't know here in Argentina and now the the mostly the young people uh started to to want and to know what what this author says about said about the economy. But that, that is because we have a lot of trouble in our economy. I think that if we had a, a very good economy and people live good, you don't have this uh, enthusiasm for liberty or for freedom or for changing. Uh, you need to, to be you need able to suffer. To, <laughs> yes, and you need to be able to see that something bad is going to happen.
2: Something bad. We-
6: We saw what was happening in Venezuela, and we started to see the same patterns here in Argentina, and we get a little bit afraid of what was happening.
2: Did you understand? Is that one thing that was educated uh, or um, that the people started to understand? That, look, if we go down this socialist road, we're going to be like that. This is where we're going. This is it. Is that what you want? You know to get away from that, you need to do this a whole other philosophy of freedom's the answer what's the question kind of thing so that you know kind of stuck with the people i would imagine but i'm 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 still interested in some of the the caricature of Javier Millet. because things like one you know he was in a rock band or something or played you know he he'd get on stage and rock and roll and shake that hair or whatever I mean you know then he um Uh, had girlfriends, you know, his sister he's close with, you know. So he's got, my first lady is my sister. You guys can talk to her. She'll kick your butt. And then you have, you know, well, it took me a while to move into, you know, the presidential uh, palace, White House, whatever they call it, And uh, because they had to put the candles in for my four mastiffs. I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. You know? So he's a unique guy. That's not, but when he went and gave his presentation to the World Economic Forum, he kicked ass. I mean, he was just like, you know, and all you guys. So the caricature that best describes Javier is what in Argentina? What are they wrapping their arms and legs around? They're going, yeah, Javier, you know, the doll that says what? He pulled a string and the Javier doll says what? I mean, you know, they like him Really, why? Just because it's not just because he's kind of you know free thinking and kind of out there. Woo-hoo, we're having fun and so on. It's because of something else or some character trait, something that they really like about Javier. What do you think it is?
6: I think one one of the things you said that he kicked their ass. So they uh, he went to the politicians and he told them the. All, all the truth that that what they were doing, it was wrong, and he kicked their ass in in a very bad way and and people uh were happy about that because the most important thing here is that people doesn't want to see uh, any politician again, they they want something different. They want people that were not involved in politics. And Javier Millet presented himself as that, that he has his dogs and his sister, a strong, uh, strange relationship and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. There there are some people that like that. There are some that they, they do not like that. But the most important thing is that he was not part of that casta that he says. uh, Not part of the the politics uh, on the politicians. That he was going to, he wanted to be president only to make a real change in Argentina. And then he wants to go home and continue doing what he likes to do that is teaching. Um, We have a lot of Uh, We know, you know, too, that when people is uh, in the power, when they have power, they want more power and they want to to do things that are uh, uh, very selfish, you know. And I think Javier Millet uh, shows us a different uh, face in the politics. He entered to the government, telling the people, "I'm not part. Uh, I'm I'm not a part of this uh, politician caste, I'm different. I'm part of the society. I want that Argentinian people and the society feel better and and have a better life in the future, and Argentina be a uh, more um, development country, and people live better in the future." Uh, but I don't want to be in the state for all my life, and that is the most important thing that I think people uh, vote for him and and trust him and give um, his his vote because of that. Because he he seems not to like the power because of the power itself. He wants Argentina being different in the next ten. 20, 30 years and to to be one of the, the countries that progress in in the world.
2: You know, I, I, I get the impression once you make this kind of shift, it's about two years. You know, two, three years. Now the government may not change, well, I don't care. But mm-hmm. it is the the people do. You know, they just like, whoa, man, we're we're not this anymore, we're that. Now being in the position and the education and the career path that you've chosen, I'm thinking Maria might need to run for office sometime. I, I, I don't know. But would Maria run for political office? Would you do that?
6: I I would do that Um, (laughs) because i want to do um some of my stuff first some of economy and liberalism and uh, i i want to still be growing uh in my my vocational free market (laughs) ideas but uh i think i think i i will run for elections in some years in why in the next- why
2: why would you wait because see my experience has been i'm 62 now my first election was probably about 30 you know and then every two years for decades i'm in their face saying this about that and what we were doing was building the groundwork for like ron paul you know you know that that's why we knew Ron Paul the revolution was going to you know be a thing it was because we had already done what you guys did in the educating of the people and a lot of it was street activism and so on and then the internet started and you had you know uh youtube and video on the internet but that had only been around god like 4 years really you know by the time Ron Paul had run for Javier had been longer. People had already been exposed to these ideas and it was a lot easier to communicate it, you know, but we knew to do street activism kind of thing. But so I'm thinking that you running, you being there, being up because every time you get on the ballot, you run I don't know how your party system works or independent or any of that crap. But as a freedom oriented person, you get to talk to a lot of people. You get a yeah. lot of coverage. You get a lot. And with your background and you having uh, already understood what this is and be able to argue the economics and having before he got elected, you did the Arizona project. I mean, your web page presence and, you know, look at me and my videos and pictures. Oh, people pay a bunch of money for that one. You know, so i I I don't want to discourage you from participating, even though I'm not a political guy and voting, don't vote, I don't care. That's not the point. It's the education and it's the support, it's the voice, it's somebody being there. And I'm wondering is there a pool of people such as yourself that can be drawn upon to represent libertarianism, to represent free markets, to represent leave me aloneism? Where is that?
6: Yes, I think that is spread along in the country. We don't have uh now that bunch of people in the same in the same um party. We we have many people that are talking about liberalism. We have many people that knows about free market and know what uh, we have to do in the state as uh, Javier Millet, because I I really trust in in many of the other people that are talking about this, and they really know yeah. they, they are people that that have all the capacities to to make a change. But now I think that uh, we we are introducing ourselves uh, as um, a new experimental thing of the politics with a liberal party because we we didn't experiment that in Argentina and neither in another part of the world. So I think that uh liberalism in Argentina may organize themselves to to run for a better elections.
2: That's true. You gotta be careful because I'm telling you this is what I see happening. This is from the old guy. Okay, let me tell you what the old guy says. All right, you ready? You ready?
6: You, right. said, you said that Millet was going to win, and now he's a president. I didn't trust
2: about that. I'm I, I, I just tell you. You can see it coming. Right? Let me, you know, let me tell you. You know um, what I see coming. A good example is uh, Britain. You know, they have like these commonwealths. You know, you got New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, Canada. They're all part of the same They The the, the king, queen, you know, has like veto power. They call it the Privy Council or what. You know, it's just messed up. Well, what happens is... Whenever there's a popular uprising like this, exactly what you saw happen in Argentina has happened in America, certainly has happened in the United Kingdom before, you know, different. You know, they're riled up, they're all pissed off about something. Then you look at the government, because they have a parliamentary system, and you have a bunch of little parties where they want to coalesce and be able to elect who the prime minister is. Well, what they do is they get up there, and you'll see this one little party, or an offshoot of one party, or they're a minor party, or they're the major party, whatever party, and they'll go, oh, heaven, you, you should have just, people, you should have told us that's what you wanted. Well, heck, we can be freedom. We can do freedom. We can be freedom, guys. You know, you, you keep us in. We, we, we've we learned our lesson. We'll be the freedom people now, Okay. And then it's Stalin, shaves off his mustache, and then runs out there and runs as the freedom guy. You're going to see that there's going to be, if it's not you or people like you, it's going to be politicians, people like, oh, yeah, I, I was always Javier Malay.
4: If you want to move to the free
3: state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a
2: guy who's really great. It's the realtor Mark Warden.
6: Now
4: you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com.